You can cry on command. And that is why I decided to create this. Welcome to Free Talk, the show to help you learn English the fun and simple way. Ready? Hello and welcome back to Free Talks Podcast. Welcome to the official start of this podcast. This is the episode number one. On the last episode, on the episode zero, I only gave you the introduction to the podcast. I told you how this show is going to work, the duration and all those other things. But in, in the episode of today, in, in the episode number one, we are going to actually talk about one topic in particular. And before we do that, before we start talking about the topic I chose for today, I would like to tell you why I decided to talk about it. So basically I decided to do it for two reasons. The first reason is that this podcast, this podcast number one, I am recording it uh, before you even know that there is a podcast. So right now you are watching the principles, you are watching the episodes of the course, but you don't know that I have a podcast for you. If you listen to the episode zero, now you know it. But um, of course, in this case, uh, I don't have your, I don't, I don't know you, I don't have your information. So I don't know exactly what kind of topics you are interested in. And that is why I decided to choose one myself. And I did. So, um, in the future, when you start listening to the podcast, and if you want to be a part of this podcast, you can, of course, send me your suggestions, and we will consider those suggestions, and we will start making this podcast about you and about your interest. And the second reason why I chose this podcast is because this topic is very interesting to me. If you watched the, um, the first principle of this course, I told you in the part of the motivation that My motivation to read, to I'm sorry, to speak other languages, to learn other languages, is that I love to read books in their original language. But this doesn't mean that I only read books in foreign languages. Of course, I like to read books in French and Italian and English, but I also enjoy a lot reading books in Spanish. I consider that Spanish is a beautiful, beautiful language. And it's even more beautiful, I think, in books because the language that you can find in a book in Spanish, in a novel in Spanish, is, is so well used, is so, well, in some cases, of course, but it's it's very uh, beautiful language, and I think that literature uh, in Spanish is a really, really good kind of literature. So the topic of this podcast, of this episode number one, is the Latin American boom. The Latin American boom. So maybe you know what the Latin American boom is. Uh, it's a very famous, and for some reason, it's it's coming again now. Now more people know about this. Young generations know about the Latin American boom. So let's talk about it. Um, first of all, what is what is the Latin American boom? What is a boom? Of course, if you if you think on the word as an explosion, you will hear the sound boom when explosion happens. So a boom is actually when something explodes and when, when people notices something. So maybe something people don't know about that, but then boom, and people now get it. 
That is what happened with the Latin American boom. The Latin American boom is a movement that happened mainly um, around the 1960s and the 1970s. And it was a, a movement, a literary movement that involved many authors, many writers from countries from Latin America, uh, particularly Argentina and Mexico and Colombia and Peru and Cuba. And what happened is that when these writers started writing some, some new work, some new novels, suddenly, like, like for a surprise, people from other continents and from other countries starting, started paying attention to this kind of work, to these Latin American novels. So, um, it is not only that, that the, um, the, the books of these authors started getting recognition, that people started noticing them. It was mainly a change in the way that the Latin American literature was produced. Before the Latin American movement, we could say that the, um, the, the literature in this part of the world, it was pretty much the same. They were following like the models and they were following the influences from people, especially the, um, the modernists in other countries, particularly in Europe. But there were no changes, there were no new things in the Latin American literature. But in this period of time, in this period from 1960s through 1970s, there were some changes. The stories produced in, um, in the south of the continent were starting to change. They were suddenly different. How these stories were different? Well, in many aspects, but we could say that the um, the style of the writing changed in some particular topics. For example, one of them was the uh, the complexity of the characters. In a regular story, usually the important thing is the story. You know, like what is happening, what are the events, what are the circumstances of the story. But in the uh, in the works of the Latin American boom, there was much more importance to the characters themselves, to the protagonist of the story. And they were given um, more details and they were suddenly more complicated characters and the story happened around those characters. And so that was one thing that changed. Now a lot of the attention of the story was on the characters themselves. Another thing that happened, and that was very, very, um, like, particular of this, uh, of the, 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 the authors of this movement, was the, the use of the time, the chronology. Mm -hmm. The chronology is the use of the time, how the author uses the time. Usually, when you think of a story, you usually think of a linear story. That is a story that follows the logical order of time. So you, you, you have a beginning and then in the middle you have the story happening, you have the events, you have the development of the story. And then in the end, of course, you have an ending. That is a normal, uh, the normal structure of a story. But in this in these works that happened in this period, the chronology was different. It was treated differently. 
So one novel or one story, for example, could begin in the ending. And then things happen and then there were some jumps, there were some changes from time and then you go to the future and you go back to the past and then the present and then changes and then imaginary time. There was a really, really uh, important change in the way people treat it, in the way authors talk about time. That was also a very particular aspect of this. And uh, also there was the introduction of, of new things. So. Traditionally, before the Latin American boom, the kind of stories, the kind of novels that you would read were um, mainly realist stories. So stories that happened to people or that could happen to people. So these were real things, real events told in a story. But in this case, when, when the Latin American uh, boom really, really had uh, like a, the big moment of explosion, there was suddenly there was suddenly like uh, an introduction of things that were unreal in some cases so there was fiction and then fiction mixed with reality and fiction on fiction and there was this this kind of new story so something that that was not traditional and that was another particular uh, aspect of the the books of this period <laughs> now um, it is about the, the, the moment when the Latin American boom started, when, when this actually happened, that is difficult to determine. So it's not easy to say, oh, you know, the Latin American movement started in this year or in that year. It's difficult because there are a lot of works, a lot of authors, a lot of writers. So it's, it's not a, an easy task. It's not easy to say, oh, that was the starting point. But for some people, for some critics, for some um, researchers or professors, professional people in the area of literature, there, there could be a starting point, which is the, um, the publishing of a book. Uh -huh. So some people say, when this book was published, the Latin American boom began. And some people say that this movement started maybe with the publishing of the novel Hopscotch or with the publishing of the novel The Time of the Hero. I will talk more about those two books uh, a little bit later. <laughs> so we don't know exactly when this book, when this, sorry, when this movement started, but we have an idea, like it was around 1963 or something like that. Now, um, this is, this is the, the, the Latin American movement. This is how it happened, why it was different, and what were the consequences. The consequences may, uh, mainly were that more people from other continents started to reading and started to be aware, this is to be conscious, to know of the existence of Latin American literature. <laughs> now, uh, about the, um, the figures of this movement, the protagonists of this, uh, of this movement, of course, that is also not an easy thing to do because there were so many writers, there are always a lot of writers, and it is difficult to say that these particular writers were the, um, the flag, the, uh, the representatives of the movement. But we can talk about four authors in particular that were very important to the movement. 
The first of them is uh, is a writer that uh, maybe for some well for some reason this this uh, writer is very popular let's say these days among uh, young people uh, it's like if people are discovering now this this author and this author is Julio Cortázar he he was uh, an Argentinian writer he was actually born in Belgium but he he got the Argentine nationality and he spent a lot of his his life uh, in uh, in Argentine he was teaching in a university in Argentine but he had very a lot of different uh, I'm sorry a lot of differences with the political climate the political situation in his country so he emigrated to France and he spent uh, most of his adult life in France and in France was where he created most of his of his works he was influenced by another Argentine uh, writer uh, Jorge Luis Borges a great writer in my opinion and also by Edgar Allan Poe he was really a, a, an avid reader of Edgar Allan Poe and he he wrote a lot of uh, a lot of books mainly about short stories so he was not really a novelist he wrote more short stories but he wrote one novel that was determinant to the movement and that novel was hopscotch again i will talk more about that novel at the end of this section um that was one of the of the writers julio cortazar then there was another a big important future sorry figure in the in the um, in the movement and that was Mario Vargas Llosa Mario Vargas Llosa is a Peruvian writer he was born in Peru and he wrote uh, a lot of books that are very uh, important and very determinant not only to the movement but to the Latin American uh, literature there are a lot of great uh, books that he he wrote and maybe one of the books that was more more representative to the movement was uh, called the the time of the hero that is the name of the book of the translation of the name uh, in english um and i will talk more about that book at the end too then there was another writer and that writer was Carlos Fuentes. That is our Carlos Fuentes. Carlos Fuentes is usually, uh, people think or people assume that Carlos Fuentes was Mexican, but actually he was from Panama. He was born in Panama and later I think he got the Mexican nationality. But the, the reason why we, we think that Carlos Fuentes was Mexican is because he was so into the Mexican culture. A lot of his books have a, a deep understanding of the Mexican culture at the time in the 60s and in the 70s and in the 50s also. He wrote about the um, very regional places in, in Mexico. He wrote about the revolution in many books. He wrote about Mexico City. He was he he really know uh, he really knew a lot of uh, Mexican culture, and that uh, that knowledge was present in his books. And um, the fourth of these uh, relevant figures to the movement was from Colombia, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. 
So from all these four, maybe Gabriel Garcia Marquez is the most famous of the four because he is the one that that gained more recognition around the world. So he really expanded his horizons from just Colombia. He was born in Colombia, but if you ask people around the world about Gabriel Garcia Marquez, people know who he was because he really he really made an impact in in the in the universal literature. Um, and one of the books that was really uh, determinant to the movement was A Hundred Years of Solitude, which is an awesome book, a, a beautiful book, and um, it is now part, it's, one, it's considered one of the, of the best works of literature of all times. So he was really a master of language. And, well, those four are considered the most relevant figures of the movement. There are many, many others, but for the purpose of this episode, for the purpose of this podcast, we are going to leave it there. Uh-huh. So there was these four, uh, these four writers. And now to finish with this, um, with this episode, with this topic, I would like to talk about four, I'm sorry, five, five of the books that are more representative to the movement. Maybe because of the content of the book, or the structure of the book, or the um, the situation that was happening when the book was written. So these these five books are really important to understand what kind of literature was produced in this period. The first of these books is by Julio Cortázar, and it is his first novel, and it's called Hopscotch. Hopscotch is the name. Of the book in English. Hopscotch is um, a game that people usually play, kids usually play, and this game consists of drawing on the floor the like the structure of, um, of a plane. Uh-huh. And then you have these little squares and the squares have number and then you throw a rock or a stone and then you have to jump with just one um, one foot uh, through the squares and pick up your stone. Uh-huh. So I hope you get now what hopscotch is. Now, why this novel is really representative to the movement? Because this novel really introduced a change into the literature. Julio Cortázar was maybe the most experimental of all the these four authors. He was really introducing new things to literature. He was really making some, some changes. He was uh, acting in different in, in, in things that were not conventional in the writing structure. And the best example is this novel. This novel consists of 155 chapters. So it's a big book. But it was written like in a in a way that had no structure, apparently. In the introduction to the book, Julio Cortázar mentioned that from the 155 uh, chapters, 99 of them were expendable. Expendable means that they are presentable. That means that you don't need them. So he said, yes, my novel has 155 chapters, but if you don't read 99 of those chapters, you are okay. And also the structure, 
the chapters were not in order. So you didn't have chapter one and then chapter two and then chapter three. So you have chapter one and then chapter 37 and then chapter 100. They, they, they were jumping from one chapter to another. And the story was kind of mixed and was kind of complicated, but it was really interesting. And he was a master of language. So the novel in, in general is a great, great book. And that is why this novel is so important to the movement. Now, uh, another book that is really important to this movement is uh, by uh, Mario Vargas Llosa. <coughs> and this book is called, in English, The Time of the Hero. The Time of the Hero. The, uh, the original book in, um, in Spanish is not really the correct translation. The original book in Spanish should be The City and the Dogs. Mm -hmm. The city and the dogs. And this novel is the, um, the story of what is happening inside a military academy in Peru at the time. Mario Vargas Llosa was a student in one of these uh, military academies. And so he, he knew what he was talking about. He, he had experiences on the topic. And this novel is, is so detailed the story is so well told. He's really, really a good storyteller. And actually, I have a, a personal story about this, this book. This book is really important to me. It's one of my favorite books because it is one of the first books that I read for pleasure. Like five years ago, I started reading for pleasure. I started picking out books and reading them. And I... And one of the first books that I read was, was this book. And I read this book like in one night. So I had the book and I started reading and I couldn't stop. It was impossible for me to stop. And I kept reading and reading and reading. And I finished the book and then I went to sleep. And that night I had nightmares. I had bad, uh, bad dreams. And actually, what was happening in my dreams is that I was remembering or recreating the things that happened in the book because this book was so graphic and it was the story was very well um, told. So I, I knew what was happening and I pictured it in my mind and it was like a movie happening in my mind. And that book really marked me and that book really, really caught my attention. And that's why I, I continued reading and reading more and more because that book was determinant to my life as a, as a reader. Um, and also, uh, another book that is uh, huge, tremendously important to the movement is the, um, the world-famous A Hundred Years of Solitude. A Hundred Years of Solitude by Gabriel García Márquez. This book is now considered a, a paragon. A paragon is is a model a model of excellence. So this book it, it was a, a story, but the story was so so complete. So it was very very detailed. So you knew exactly what was happening. Basically, the story is the story of a family and the members of the family and what things the member of the family do and how these things are connected to the rest of the other things. And A Hundred Years of Solitude also 
was the introduction for some people. Some people say it was the introduction to the of the magic realism to the literature. What is magic realism? Well, the name the name itself says it's magic and realism. So this is the mixture, the combination of real events, things that could happen and fantastic events. Uh -huh. So it's like maybe I am telling a story of a guy that is walking and he goes and he, he buys a coffee that is all normal, that is all real, but then this guy explodes. Mm -hmm. Boom! And he explodes. You know, of course, people don't explode. And that is what uh, a magic realism creates, is the combination of the real things and the fantastic things. It's not completely fiction, but it's not completely realism. It's a combination of the two. And this book was full. It was full of these kind of combinations, these kind of, of encounters between magic and reality. And it was beautiful. Um, and then a couple more of books. One other book from this movement was uh, The Death of Artemio Cruz. This book was written by um, Carlos Fuentes in 1962. And it's the story of um, a former revolutionary. Former means ex. So this guy was not a revolutionary anymore. He used to be a revolutionary, but now he was not. So that is former, former revolutionary. And this, this man is in his, in his bed, he's dying, and he's remembering all these things that happened in his life when he was a revolutionary. And uh, there are a lot of jumps between time again and goes from the past to the future and the present. And then there are some intermissions, some appearances of people and characters. And the story is sometimes complicated, but then you understand. And that is what was very characteristic of Carlos Fuentes' literature. And this book is a perfect example of that. <laughs> and finally, um, we have uh, a book by... Um, Jose Donoso. Jose Donoso was uh, a writer from, from Chile, another country in Latin America. And he was like, for some people he was part of the movement, but for some others he was not. So there are not, and there are some differences in the ideas of if he was or not uh, a member of the movement. But he was very active during that period. And one of his most relevant or his most famous works during that time is called the it's called i just forgot the name it is called the obscene bird night the obscene you know obscene bird bird night the obscene bird night and this is uh, like an exploration of of identities and there has some some mystery and some terror in it and it is, it is also one of the books that were really representative maybe of the end of the period because this book was written in 1970. So it was almost the end of the movement, but it is also um, an, important, uh, uh, an important example of the work of these authors. So that's it. That's, is, that is how we are going to finish this, this episode. Um, if you are interested, maybe you know by now, maybe you know what 
the Latin American move uh, boom was, maybe you are interested in, maybe you like those authors, maybe you, you know the, the books that I mentioned, but if you don't, and if you are, if you are curious about knowing what were the, the works, what were the novels that really changed the way we, uh, we, we looked at uh, Latin American literature, you can check those books. I will leave the, the, the names in, in the webpage so you can check them. And um, that'll be it. That's it for this episode number one of a of Free Talks podcast. Um, again, of course, if you have, after you listen to this, you say maybe, well, yeah, I liked it, or no, I really didn't like it. That is why I want and I need that you send me your suggestions and you tell me, this is what I want to hear. Make a podcast about that and we will, yeah, we will please you. We will make a podcast, we'll make an episode about the things that you want to hear. Okay, so that is the end of this first section. Remember that we have three sections. So this section is the main topic. The main topic was Latin American uh, boom. And now we are going to go to the section number two, which is a word and pronunciation. Okay, and now let's take a look at the section, a word and pronunciation. I told you that uh, we are going to use this section, this short section of the podcast, to talk about one particular aspect of pronunciation. I am going to, um, I mean, I don't have an order, so we don't have like, like a sequence that we are going to follow on the pronunciation section. So I will just tell you different aspects and different information about the, um, the pronunciation so you can start practicing, okay? So, and in this case, the word of pronunciation, it's going to be about the letter T. T. And we are going to check the sound of the American T. Okay? Now, um, to understand this, we need to know that the pronunciation of the letter T is going to change depending on two factors. Number one, it is the intonation of the word that contains the letter T, and also the position of the letter T. Usually, we, well, I, I will tell you what intonation is. Intonation is when, when you, when, where you put the stress on a word. For example, if we think of the word, um, for example, photography, mm -hmm. take the word photography. You don't say photography like that. You need to stress, you need to put more emphasis on a word. In this case, the emphasis is on the word to, of photo, photography. Mm -hmm. It's not photography, or photography, or photography. It's photography. Okay, so this thing, this, the, the position of the intonation is going to, to determine what is the sound of the T. So, if... You are pronouncing a word, and uh, in this word, the intonation is in the first syllable. And this syllable has a letter T. The, the pronunciation of the word is going to, uh, going to be with a letter T. For example, in Tet, Tet, the name, like the, like the bear from the movie, Tet. Mm -hmm. Or in the word Italian. Italian. Mm -hmm. The intonation is in the ta, ita, ta. And in this case, the letter 
T sounds like T. Italian. Italian. And if the letter T it's in the middle of the pronunciation, in the middle of the intonation, it's not going to sound like a T. It's going to sound like a letter D. D. Mm -hmm. For example, the, um, the words in the, in the name Betty. Betty. Uh -huh. The name Betty. We don't say Betty. Betty. Uh -huh. Like ugly Betty. It's Betty. Betty. It sounds like a letter D. Or, for example, the word Italy. Italy. The country. The country where um, Leonardo da Vinci was born. It's Italy. Italy. It's not Italy. It's Italy. Okay, so for example, uh, Leonardo da Vinci was born in Italy. Italy. So he was Italian. Italian. Italy. Italian. Uh -huh. And finally, if the T is at the end of a word, and this word is not pronounced, it's not going to sound. For example, in the word hot. Hot. Like hot is the opposite of cold. Mm -hmm. So this means high temperatures. High temperatures. So in this case, you don't say, for example, oh, the weather is really hot. You say, the weather is hot. Hot. Okay? So those are the three main differences in the pronunciation of the letter T. You have Italian, Italy, and hot. Italian, Italy, hot. Okay? So let's check, finally, this these four examples we have here, so you can see the contrast on the pronunciation. We have first the word Italian and Italy. Italian, Italy. The word attack, attack. It's strong sound of T, attack. Or the word attic, attic. Attack, attic. Attic. What is an attic? An attic is the in some houses. Some houses have like the the regular space of the house. You have maybe uh, a floor. You have a second floor. You have rooms and all that. In some houses, they have a, a room that is uh, underneath, that is below, and that is the basement. Mm -hmm. So you need to go down to go to the basement. And some houses have a, a last floor on top of the house so you need to go up uh -huh. in the movies or in the tv shows usually they have like a like a like a rope and they have to pull it down and they open a door which is um, uh, a staircase too so they they pull it down and that is the entrance to the attic attic okay attack attic then we have the words atomic Atomic, like an atomic bomb, or the atomic ant. You remember that cartoon? Atomic. And the word atom. Atom. 
atom, which is the smallest part of something. It's something from physics. Atom. Atomic? Atom. And we have the words photography. Photography, because the intonation is, the stress is in the to syllable. So it's photography, but we say photograph. Photograph. Italian, Italy. Attack, attic. Atomic, atom. Photography, photograph. <clears throat> okay? So that is it for this section, this first section of a word on pronunciation. So now you know what are the three differences in the sound of this letter. What is your activity? What is your, your homework? Well, start reading. If you start reading a magazine or a book, uh, it's of course you are going to find words with the letter T in it. So when you find those words, only mark them, maybe with a highlighter or maybe with a, a pencil. Just make a mark on them and then see where is the stress and how would you pronounce it. Practice it and you are going to improve this. This, after a, a short time, it's going to become automatic. So if you know what is the difference here and you practice it, it's going to be automatic in the future. Okay? <clears throat> so that is the end of this section, a, a word on pronunciation, and that is going to be the end of this episode number one of Free Talks Podcast. Um, I told you that we are going to have a, a section about questions and about comments, but you, um, well, you, 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 you haven't sent me your uh, suggestions, of course. So when you start sending me questions or suggestions, I am going to use the last part of this podcast to, to address those questions, to respond to those questions. And well, before we finish, um, I told you also on the episode zero, on the last episode, that my intention is to keep this podcast uh, not really short, but also not very long. And this podcast is almost 40 minutes. And that was not my intention, but I just, I kept talking and talking and now the episode is 40 minutes long. I hope that's okay for you. Um, I will try in the future to make these episodes shorter, something I said between 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. But you let me know. What, what, are you, what do you think? Do you think that 40 minutes is a lot? Or do you think it's 40 minutes is it's appropriate? It's, it's okay? Let me know. Let me know if you prefer any duration in a specific. And I will try my best to shut my mouth and stop talking and make these episodes shorter. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a part of this project. I hope that you are enjoying this, this podcast. I hope that... In the future, you will send me your recommendations and we can start making this podcast more personal to you. Thank you very much. I will see you on the next episode, on the episode number two. And uh, remember, if you haven't uh, taken the course, you can go to www.freetalkingless.com. You can get your free course. You can start learning how to learn better. And then when you know that, you can continue listening to this and keep learning everywhere you go. You can download this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, download the episodes to your uh, iPod or your MP3 player or your smartphone and take them with you. Listen to them a lot of times and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you very much and keep it simple. See you then.